church. Welcome to the driveway. <laughs> Would you stand to your feet? Let's begin our time of worship together, as is our custom, by encouraging one another through God's word, reading God's word aloud to each other. We're going to read from Romans 11 and verse 33 to 36. As soon as we get that up. Oh, here we go. Cool. All right. Here we go. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and untraceable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor and who has ever given to God that he should be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Let's grab a seat and listen to the choir.
then stand to your feet. Let's continue worshiping together. Let's sing this. Oh. technological issues this morning, sorry. shall come when Christ shall come with shout of admiration and take me home what joy shall fill my heart then I shall bow in humble adoration and 
I'll bless your name. I'll bless your name, O oh God, each day that I await. From dawn to setting sun, your greatness I'll proclaim. Your glory far exceeds all human thought. So with each breath I'll bless your name, O oh God. children yet to come. As generations sing of wonders you have done, your strong and mighty deeds are always near. O oh God, most high, your name will be Call out to you, you hear us. 
to Hebron Baptist Church. We exist to glorify God by inviting every person to take their next steps towards Christ. My name is Alan, and it is such a joy to join with you all in worship here today. If you're a guest here today, we want to extend a special welcome to you. We're so glad that you're here, whether you're here in person or online. Welcome. As a guest, we would love to get to know you. One way we can do that is through a Connect card. That's a little slip of paper in the back of the seat in front of you. If you would pull that out and fill that out, that'll let us know how we can be praying for you, how we can serve you. Then after service, if you would exit through these central doors and turn left, there you'll see our next steps desk. You can turn that Connect card in to someone there who'd be happy to answer any questions that you may have and also who'd love to give you a free gift. So welcome, guests. We are so glad that you are here today. Well, we're going to transition now to a moment of prayer, and as we do, I invite all of us to prepare our hearts for our act of worship later in the service as we give of our tithes and offerings. So would you please join me in prayer? Good morning, Heavenly Father. We praise you, we worship you today as God Almighty. And Lord, today we lift up to you our church's core value of sacrificial giving. Father, we thank you for giving so generously to us. Thank you, Lord, for providing for us for each breath, for our daily bread. We thank you for providing us with sweet fellowship here in this church family. We thank you for providing so selflessly and sacrificially for our greatest need as Jesus stepped down in our place as a sacrifice for our sins. Thank you for giving so generously to us, Father. And Lord, in response, we desire to respond by being generous, sacrificial givers in our own lives. 
Thank you for allowing us to glimpse what it looks like for you to be generous and sacrificial to us. And we pray that you would allow us to do that too in small ways to reflect you and impact your kingdom. We know everything is yours. All our treasures, all our time, all our talents, we offer all these to you. We hold them loosely in our hands, offering them, asking, Lord, that you would use all these for your kingdom and glory. Lord, we lift up not only ourselves, but we lift up to you our partners and friends, our brothers and sisters across the globe, worshiping you in London, England at Mosaic Multicultural Church. We thank you for Pastor Alex Brito there, church planter, leader of this church. We ask that you would bless this congregation. Bless them as they're in a sermon series in the book of Genesis now. I pray that as they open your word that you would reveal yourself to them in greater and greater ways. And as they reach out to the world around them, we pray that you would use them as a bright light. Protect them, use them, draw many people to know you through their ministry. And Lord, closer to here, closer to home, you know the many needs in our lives. And, and the people in, the, in this room and then those who couldn't make it today, you know our many prayer requests, our needs, our struggles, financially, medically, relationally. You know the praises that you have answered prayer in our lives, and we give you thanks for what you are doing. And we pray, Lord, through all these things and more, that you would allow us to grow in knowing you, that you would show yourself to us more and more, and that we would follow after you more and more and love you more and more with each and every day. And Lord, as we come to a moment of confession, we thank you that you have shown yourself to us in the cross, that you have demonstrated your love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We confess to you, Lord, sins that we've committed this past week, even this past morning. And Lord, we thank you that your response to us is that of love, that you have sent Christ to die to pay for our sins. So Lord, I ask that you would help all of us to put our trust, our faith, and our rest in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. We worship you. We continue to praise you today for all that you've done and are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we continue to worship together, let's hear from God's word in Psalm 16. It says, Protect me, God, for I take refuge in you. I said to the Lord, You are my Lord. I have nothing good besides you. As for the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones. All my delight is in them. The sorrows of those who take another God for themselves will multiply. I will not pour out their drink offerings of blood, and I will not speak their names with my lips. Lord, you are my portion and my cup of blessing. You hold my future. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who counsels me, even at night when my thoughts trouble me. I always let the Lord guide me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My body also rests securely, for you will not abandon me to Sheol, for you will not allow your faithful one to see decay. You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. That is the word of those who know Jesus and say, all I have is Christ, because that's all we need. Let's stand to our feet and sing.
Good morning. Turn in your copy of God's Word to Zephaniah chapter 1. Zephaniah chapter 1. If you knew where Habakkuk was in your Bible last week, you just keep going and you'll find Zephaniah. If you want to use the Bible that's in front of you in the pew, the translation that I'm reading from is page 835. It's on the right-hand side, uh, 835, Zephaniah. We're continuing our series as we walk uh, through both Habakkuk and Zephaniah, uh, about the edge of exile. We're looking at the time of Judah and Israel when they know that judgment is coming. There's turmoil, turmoil. Uh, there's uncertainty, uh, there's, um, uh, there's uneasiness, there's, uh, there's uh, uh, threats to themselves, their well-being, there's temptations to sin, all of these things we've experienced and know that happens in our life. Today, as we transition to the book of Zephaniah, we're going to see a little bit more about the character of God and why when we're going through difficulties, it's relying on him and his character that helps us to go through it. Today, we're going to, we're going to hit a hard message and a difficult message, but one that the Bible uh, gives for us all to know and hear. So if you would, we're going to begin in verse 1, and we're going to read to verse 9. The word of the Lord that came to Zephaniah, son of Cushi, son of Gedaliah, son of Amariah, son of Hezekiah, and the days of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. I will completely sweep away everything from the face of the earth. This is the Lord's declaration. I will sweep away people and animals. I will sweep away the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea and the ruins along with the wicked. I will cut off mankind from the face of the earth. This is the Lord's declaration. I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all the residents of Jerusalem. I will cut off every vestige of Baal from this place and the names of pagan priests along with the priests, those who bow and worship on the rooftops to the stars in the sky, those who bow and pledge loyalty to the Lord, but also pledge loyalty to Milcom, and those who turn back from following the Lord, who do not seek the Lord or inquire of him. Be silent in the presence of the Lord, for the day of the Lord is near. Indeed, the Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has consecrated his guests. On the day of the Lord's sacrifice, I will punish the officials, the king's sons, and all who are dressed in fine clothing. On that day, I will punish all who skip over the threshold, who fill their master's house with violence and deceit. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you, just as we sing, we are famished because we've drank from the world this week. We are needy because we are sinful. We know that we need sustenance and we know that our strength comes from your word. And as we come to your word today, it is a harsh message, but a message you want us to hear. So God, through the truth of your word and through the power of your spirit, 
May you speak to our lives. May we be moved to change and repent. And God, may we never be the same again. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Living near the airport, it's often that we get used to the noise of airplanes flying overhead. There are rules based on where homes can be built and, and flight patterns so that it is not so, so bad to people, but we know living here where we do we, that we hear airplanes, and often we just ignore it. Unless you're in a house that it's shaking things off the wall and plates off the table, which that would be very bad, uh, but it shouldn't, shouldn't happen. But for the most part, we ignore it. We don't think a second about it. We tune it out. In the same way, God's people tuned out the calls to repentance of God. God had sent multiple prophets to them repent turn back to me come back to the law do what is right in my sight repent i am here and will welcome you but again and again god's people tuned them out here we see god has sent another prophet to them but god has gotten to the point in redemptive history that it is no longer time to avoid the punishment. It is coming. And Zephaniah, just like Habakkuk, is saying, it is coming soon, and you need to be prepared. Now, Zephaniah, interesting, the first verse of Zephaniah helps us to see a little bit of Zephaniah in his heritage. He is the great-grandson of King Hezekiah. A royal lineage to this prophet that he has been given a word to the Lord. Has, uh, Zephaniah is also a contemporary to the great prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah is also prophesying in this time to the people to repent. And in the same time, we see that who is king? King Josiah. He is the last of the kings of Judah to do good in the sight of the Lord. And there's no doubt the message and influence of Zephaniah, who would, be an, who would have been a family member, a contemporary, Jeremiah, that Josiah, and God had worked in Josiah's heart to bring about reforms to the people to call them back. But here, even in this time, there were people who would not return to God they were fine continuing to worship at the altars of Baal and the high places they had a syncretism meaning that they wanted to do what was right by God in his in the Jewish faith but also bring in some of the other stuff to hedge their bets in the same way we see that over and over again that God's people were tuning him out and the message that jo that zephaniah brings in the first nine verses is that judgment of god will be poured out against the whole earth because of the people's persistent disobedience 
really encouraging message for the first or second Sunday in May, right? When we think about our world and we think about this and we think about the text and the message of Zephaniah, I would argue that it is actually encouraging, that it helps us to see a God who is in control of all things, that he's putting injustice to death, that he's overseeing the world, both the good and the bad, and that ultimately, yes, he will pour out judgment on those who are disobedient. When we look at the world, it's a confusing place. We see disunity among the people. We see political turmoil. We see financial burdens. We see people around us who mistreat us, and experience, we experience suffering because of their very decisions and it is when we are struggling against injustice and pain and turmoil and wondering how do I deserve this why must I take this why is this happening to me there is a good encouragement to us that God will bring justice that all evil will be taken care of that our enemies will fall, that we know that the the confusion and pain and turmoil that we are experiencing in this world right now will end, that God will punish every sin, that he will put the world in the right order, that God will deliver on his promise. As a matter of fact, this is one of those prophecies that didn't take very long to come about and just one generation maybe just even 50 years later and Zephaniah made this prophecy Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians in the first wave they came and carried away many to exile then they came again and destroyed the city walls and the temple it is in this that God make made do on his promise to punish evil. And the fall of Judah, the fall of the temple, can help us see that the falling of the world is in our future. And God will restore order, and he will judge evil, but also he will bring his people to himself. And that we can be encouraged because this pain is temporary. Our troubles will be short. Justice will come. So, brother, sister, friend, if you're hanging by a thread right now in your life, you can hold tightly because God is holding on the world. And he's holding on to you. So let's rejoice and be thankful that God is, is God alone that he is over all things and that this present trouble will be prevailed over by the one true God and let's rejoice that in our text there are three reasons to be thankful for this so if you're taking notes in your Bible or on your bulletin or in your phone I couldn't think of the word Number one, God alone is who will judge the earth 
and everything in it. God alone will judge the earth and everything in it. These opening verses of Zephaniah give us an important and fierce message from the Lord. He says, I will completely sweep away everything from the face of the earth. This is the Lord's declaration. I will sweep away people and animals and sweep away the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea and the ruins with the wicked. I will cut off mankind from the face of the earth. This is the Lord's declaration. The judgment that Zephaniah announces is first directed towards all creatures. That God's vindication and his justice will come against all people. Listen to the fierce words here. I will sweep away. It's stated three times in these two verses. This is showing that God is truly clearing the deck. It brings up imagery of, of God taking things away just like the flood of Noah. But more interestingly, notice this. He's going to sweep away the man and the animals and the birds and the fish. And interestingly, it's the reverse order of creation. God is going back through saying, I'm going to take everything out because of your disobedience. Zephaniah understood that this was not just God popping off and getting angry for one day. It was just a result of God's intense anger and wrath of centuries of mankind rejecting his rule and reign. And in this, he knew that both this was a bigger picture judgment, but also a short or a quick, a specific judgment against Judah and Jerusalem. He understood that the destruction of Jerusalem by Babylon and Zephaniah's day was foreshadowing a greater catastrophe that is yet to come. Now, it is not very cool today to speak of God's anger. It's not very hip to talk about sin. It's not very cool to talk even more about God's anger against sin. But we cannot study or read these words with integrity and not recognize that God is just a little unhappy. God is fiercely angry and his anger is real and it has dangerous implications. It is against this backdrop that we must understand that God must be just against sin. And understanding that God is going to punish sin helps us to do something else. To see the beautiful nature of God's mercy in light of his wrath against sin. You see, that's what gives us hope. We know that God will punish sin and that he hates sin. But it's what makes the beauty of the cross emblazoned so much beautifully. Because it is Jesus hanging on the cross, dying for the sins of the world. It is for Jesus paying for our sins that we say we don't deserve mercy, but we have received mercy through the Son. It is in this wonderful picture of God's anger 
that later in the scripture and later in this book that when we see one of the most beautiful pictures of mercy and it is in this we, we understand that God is both a God against sin but a God of mercy and in Exodus it says the Lord is pleased to pass in front of him and proclaim the Lord the Lord is compassionate and gracious God slow to anger abounding in faithful love and truth maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations forgiving iniquity rebellion and sin and he is none to not leave the guilty unpunished bringing the consequences of the father's iniquity on the children and grandchildren to the third and fourth generation these verses even see this balance of God one who must bring about punishment to sin even to the third and fourth generation but on the other hand he is slow to anger he is abounding in love when the world is crazy and it doesn't make sense we need to be reminded and be thankful that it is God who is both just and merciful and overseeing all things. That we don't need to be in fear. We don't need to give up. We don't need to, to, to go into a, a futility of things. I can't do anything. I can't do anything to change things. There's nothing we can do. There's a fatalistic nature. It's just going to all be horrible in the end. No, we can look at this and see that God is over, yes, taking getting rid of sin and injustice but also being merciful and loving so when we look at our life when we look at the world god is god alone and he's over all of it and we don't need to fear and in doing so it should challenge us in a world as the christians that we should be the hope of the world to share the gospel that knowing that judgment is coming, that we know that justice is coming, that we know that we have the hope of the world as we share the good news of Jesus, that it doesn't give us an opportunity to stay silent because the people that we work with, the people that we go to school with, the people that we love in our family need to hear and know the good news of Jesus, that the same God who's bringing punishment to sin welcomes them through the grace of Jesus we as Christians can help the world make sense as we share the gospel and in the same way we can cling to this truth that God is God alone when we go through difficult times secondly we see that God alone is the one in whom we can rely for refuge God alone is the one in whom we can rely for refuge when this punishment is coming when the day is drawing near when we see more and more turmoil in our life we need to be reminded that it is God alone that we go to for refuge because our tendency is to add on or to find something else or to find our hope and all my hope is in Jesus Christ and something else. But what we understand is our true refuge can only be found in God. 
In verses 4 through 6, we see the real reason for judgment and, and, and going against God is uh, God going against his people is because they had turned to other idols. He speaks very clearly about his punishing those who have turned to someone else. He said, I will stretch out the hand against Judah and stretch out against the residents of Jerusalem. And here's three things that he mentions. I will cut off every vestige of Baal from this place, the names of the pagan priests and those other priests. Number two, those who bow down and worship on the rooftops to the stars and the sky, those who bow down and pledge, number three, loyalty to the Lord, but also pledge loyalty to Milcom. Now, here... They are describing that the people of Jerusalem, the people of Judah, have decided to try to have the best of both worlds. Love God and love the world. Love God and try to find some help from these other idols. But we know that this will fail us in the end. Jesus said that we cannot serve two masters. We will either hate one or love the other. Or we will be devoted to one and be despised the other. James writes, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? So whoever wants to be the friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. This is a very clear message of God to his people. That you cannot serve other people and me. Here are these three views or forms of idolatry that he was speaking to. We see that the prophet of worship of Baal, the worship of stars, the worship of Molech. Baal worship was prefaced in the fertility cults and were native to Canaan in the land that Israel conquered. It was a problem with the Jewish people from the time of Joshua onward. It was their promise of economic and personal prosperity that these continual temptation to turn to these high places to worship Baal. Boy, does that sound familiar. A temptation to, to follow this God or that God so that maybe I get something in return, some hope of prosperity, a hope of something good. There was secondly the worship of heavenly hosts. This was a newer form of apostasy in the days of Manasseh. This was the belief of the time that the stars and the planets held human destiny in their hands. And so their worship became promised effective that they might bring control in a chaotic world in other words the people were looking to the stars of the sky hoping to find their future again this does not seem very different from today people pulling up their horoscopes pulling up different things seeing what the stars of the sky what might be written in the stars for me and finally Milcom in Zephaniah 1.5 is probably a reference to the god Molech who means king and would seek so much of a, a, a demand on the life to that little g god that they would want to sacrifice human children christian do you see what this should mean for us particularly it 
means that our loyalties cannot be divided. You can't look around to hedge your religious bets. You should not follow the bad example of God's Old Testament people and mix your worship of the true God with the little g-gods of the world. How often, how sad it is that often as Christians that we know and believe that God is the sovereign over the universe, yet we mix our religion with something that is failing. We often, like maybe the prosperity of Baal, turn to something about luck and fate that we want our lucky charms, not just to eat in the morning, but our lucky charms that we might go about our life and hope that we might bless our life or bless our accomplishment or hope that if we do this one thing a certain way, that prosperity will come to us. How often, how sad that we as Christians would often more check our horoscopes than have our daily devotional in the scripture. Now often we wouldn't say as Christians that we would sacrifice our children and we think about that and we also often think of the horrible uh, desire of some to, to have abortions, to continue on and they don't want to continue on in their, their success in their life so they don't want to be weighed down by children but how more often do we sacrifice our children as idols to a secular worldview that we want more for them for the glory and fame and attention and applause of the world than of God how often do we build our lives in such a way that we want them to be more busy and more attractive to the world to the God and his church how more often do we use our children as little trophies to put on our social media and Instagram instead of wanting to pour in the word of God to make them beautiful to him? Why is our life in turmoil? Why is it a wreck? Because brothers and sisters, our friend, our hope is not in Christ alone. Our hope is not in God alone. It's in this mixture of different things that we hope that we will plod through instead of the very God alone who deserves our praise. The only God who is sovereign over all things in our life. The only God who is worthy of our praise. The reason that we're in such turmoil is because we have chosen to serve other things than God. Tim Keller writes great in this in, in Counterfeit God's Book, but he says this, the human heart takes good things like a successful career, love, material possessions, even family, and turns them into ultimate things. Our hearts defy them as the center of our lives because we think they can give us significance and security, safety and fulfillment if we attain them. Brother, sister, if you are caught in idolatry of any kind today, repent. God is God alone. 
And even when you are going through problems and turmoils and your life is not the way that you want it to, you want to add things other than God. But let me just tell you this. The, the more you do things not God's way, the more problems you're going to get. The more you follow into brokenness, the more brokenness you're going to get. We ask this question all the time. In your marriage, are you doing things God's way? In your parenting, are you doing things God's way? If in your life, in your work, if the way that you live, are you doing things God's way? If you are not, you are asking for trouble. Brother, sister, we might be confused and we might understand where the world and Christianity and the church fits in. Some of us, as even as Christians, are confused as how do we fit church into our life? Well, brothers and sisters, you need to identify what are you putting ahead of God? What have you put in a different priority that God would put in his priorities? Brothers and sisters, often we find ourselves in complexity and confusion. And we need to be reminded that if we're in that state, it's probably because we're not focusing on God alone. Because God is a God of simplicity. And Satan loves complexity and confusion. And when we need to face trials, when we face trials and bad news, we need to go back to the simplicity that God is God alone. And let's be thankful that God is God alone because then there's less confusion. Which leads to number three, God alone is the one to whom we should be thankful who has control over our lives. God alone is the one to whom we should be thankful for control over our lives. You know, as children, maybe you have had this same experience. I'm pretty sure that I'm not the only one that's ever experienced this that you've heard and done something wrong when you were a child and you hear from the other room, just wait till your father gets home. Oh, chills still come up my spine. What, what did I learn from that? Well, two things. One, that I had done something wrong enough to involve my dad over it. But also, secondly, discipline is coming. It's coming whether I want it or not. And in verse 7 to 9, we see these message that the day of the Lord is coming. Now, this day of the Lord, we need to understand, is the day of the Lord that he will wipe out all sin and enemies off the face of the earth. It is a word and a phrase that Zephaniah uses a lot. The day of the Lord is a reference to the coming judgment of God. And he is saying to us a number of times in the scriptures, Zephaniah is focusing on this to saying no matter your status of class or birth order or who you're from or where you are God's judgment is coming and the reminder of this coming day of judgment we think of it oh well you know here we are God's you know giving us a tongue lashing he's trying to put us in order actually at this point no <laughs> It's coming. Zephaniah is saying it, it's, it's on its way. What is his purpose for reminding people? Well, you, have you heard the tornado 
uh, warning practice, you know, the, the, the one that they do about once a month. Have you heard that around here? Well, they do that to have the system in place for when the tornado is coming that we will do what? Run to shelter. Zephaniah's message is like a tornado warning of the coming judgment of God that we would come and take refuge under his wings. Not to run away, not to be defeated, but that we would come to God even though he is the one who is bringing fierce wrath against human evil, he is still the one who has made way for us to be saved. He is the one who says, if you turn to me, I will gladly welcome you with forgiveness and give you grace. This is the message of Romans chapter 3, verse 25, that, that God has made his son so that we might be able to re receive forgiveness. Paul writes, God has presented him as the mercy seat by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Because of his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. And God presented him, Jesus, to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and justify the one who has faith in Jesus. That God will Forgive us through Jesus. God calls his people to run to him, knowing that the day of the Lord is coming, that we would come for mercy and forgiveness, that we would join in the chorus of other Christians to tell the world the end is coming, judgment is coming, turn to Jesus. He wants to welcome you. But notice this in verse 7. Be silent in the presence of the Lord God. There's an aspect of this is that we should recognize God for who he is. That he is God alone. And that he is the one who deserves our praise. Notice that God's command is to be silent. You would think in this day of destruction and the day of the Lord that would be awe. Maybe he would say, sound the trumpets. Be loud. That is kind of our normal reaction to something as majestic and triumphant. But here, Zephaniah proclaims, be silent and in awe. Understand what is the gravity of what is happening. You know, our, in our multimedia-driven entertainment culture, it would be to make a lot of noise. And that is a proper response to celebrate victory and, and kingship. But I think there's also the, also the opposite proper response that we would sit in silence and awe. Watching the coronation of King Charles yesterday in, in, uh, in the abbey filled with times of just silence made the moment even more grand and in the same way Zephaniah is saying this silence should help us to see God for who he is and that our response is to be silent and to sit in relationship and love and worship of him our response is to not go crazy like the rest of the world when everything else is rolling off its end but instead be at peace and know that God is in control. 
that our peace points to our need for submission and obedience to him that our true worship of God is reflected in our actions that we are carefully studying his word and that we are understanding it and studying it just as we would any other important document contract or any other thing but that we would understand his word and sit under it even when all the world is spinning out of control knowing that his sovereignty and lordship in our lives is experienced as the word and the spirit changes us so brother and sister what is god in god's word instructed you to do do it worship him recognize him as god alone and the authority in your life we should praise god and thank him that he is sovereign, that he's over all the good and all the bad, that he's going to make all things right in the end, and that we will remember that we can be thankful that he is in control, that God is God alone. So brother and sister, whatever you're going through, be encouraged that God is watching over you. And the answer is not to do more yourself not to find the answers in other things but to sit silently in the presence of god and trust in him let us pray heavenly father we are thankful for these words of zephaniah and a, a, a harsh reminder of the reality of our sin but helping us to see the good news and the truth that this same god who punishes sin welcomes sinners so God, I pray that if there's someone here that does not know you, I pray that they would run to you. They would find the gracious mercy and love that is found through Jesus Christ on the cross. God, I pray today that we would, instead of trying to do things our way, to trust in you alone. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand your feet?
announcements as you prepare for our offering we worship through song and now we worship as we give just a couple of quick things if you're a guest today thank you for being here today we hope that you do fill out that get connect card and go to our next steps desk if it's your first time we want to welcome you with a gift and connect with you we hope your next steps from here would be a life group that meet during the week or on sunday morning we'd love for you to be connected here at hebron baptist church and we'd love to talk to you if you would like to know more about following Christ, being baptized, joining the church. I'll be also hanging around the Next Steps desk and would love to talk to you and meet you. So hopefully we'll see you out there right after the service. A couple other things. A gospel to every home today at 4 o'clock. Prayerfully things will dry out a bit and we'll be able to go. So hopefully you will come as we go out to tell everyone in our zip code about Jesus Christ that's here at four o'clock today and also just to put a bug in your ear and also first to begin praying and also that you might be involved uh, vacation Bible school is coming up in just two months or at the end of the next month of June and so be praying how you might be involved uh, here in the next few weeks Christy will be putting out uh, needs for volunteers we already have a lot of people already plugged in but we're going to need uh, guides and so forth to walk people around so pray how you might be involved in vacation Bible school this year this year we can also be thankful for what the Lord is doing as we give of our tithes and offerings helps us to do things like vacation Bible school so let's go to the Lord and thank him as we take up our offerings today father thank you so much for your provisions to your people and for all that you do for us Lord we ask as we come to give that you would help us to give cheerfully and obediently according to your word we know, Lord, that through the faithful giving that we get to do community outreaches like Vacation Bible School. And so we know that it is important for us to do this work for you. So, Lord, we pray as we give that we do so in a way that is honoring to you and that you would multiply it so that we might do more for the kingdom of God here in northern Kentucky and the nations. In Jesus' name, amen.
Singing for the glory of the risen 
Shine your light and let the whole world see We're singing for the glory of the risen King Shine your light and let the whole world see We're singing for the glory of the risen King Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see We're singing for the glory of the risen King Amen You have a great week God bless as far as I thought it was.